Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Friends Podcast, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, thank you, absolutely. We appreciate all the the, all the new listeners, all the listeners that's coming back. You know, for the you know second, third, fourth, fifth time. Uh, So let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Matt, and I'm here with my co-host. My name is Rod, and this is the Friends Podcast. Make sure you check us out everywhere. We're streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Also check out our socials at the Friends Pod. Yeah, check us out everywhere we are. We would definitely appreciate that. Interact with us and let us know what we're doing. Um, so sometimes we have our solo podcasts where we kind of chop it up about you know things that we're you know interested in for the week or things that just come to mind. Mm-hmm. Today we have a special guest in the building today. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. My name is Jordan Hernandez, and I, among many things, am the founder of Completely Booked, which is a book Instagram, uh, book club, and book product line focusing mainly on BIPOC authors, women authors, Anybody of color, anybody that's got a little flavor to them is the type of uh, authors that we, type of stories and characters that we focus on at Completely Booked. So yeah, I think that that's the main purpose of why I'm here today. But amongst other things, I work in marketing. I'm the managing director of a content marketing publishing company in New York City uh, called Media Planet. I'm an author of two children's books and I have a hand decorating hand decorated cookie small business with my twin sister called Double Dough. So that takes up a large majority of my time. And then of course, working full time as well, uh, in addition to completely booked. And I'm a big community service advocate. So I have my own nonprofit and I'm on the board of another nonprofit as well. Wow, that's that's so great. You sounds like you have your hands in so many things. Um, so kind of want to start like, how do you even get the motivation to get out of the bed knowing like, oh, I got to do this, 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 this throughout the day? Like, how do you balance everything and kind of make everything work? Balance is definitely interesting. Um, it is, it's easy to stay motivated, at least for right now. For me, everything that I do, I really love everything that I do for my full-time job to all the other things that I mentioned before. So I think just the commitments to other people and commitments that I've made to myself, goals that I have is the motivation to just do it daily. It's not easy all day, every day, but every day it's it's fun and it does become easy because it's something that all of the things are things that I love to do. So people ask about that. I Like I mentioned before, I do have a twin sister, identical twin sister. So it is two of us doing a lot of things. Uh, So for a lot of people, it's just them on their own outside of completely booked. And my sister is behind the scenes, right? If you see a video of me or reel on Instagram or a photo or something, usually she's the one that's taking it. So it is nice to have that team and somebody else that you're committed to and that's just as motivated as you. That's beautiful. Um, So I kind of want to talk about that. Uh, You know, so many different twin questions that you can ask, like, have you always, do people always get you mixed up, like all those kind of things? But so like what I'm kind of wondering is like how, how close is your relationship like to this day? And has it always been like very just tight knit where it's like you complete each other's sentences and like you guys can just bounce off of each other like very easily? Yeah, we get a lot of twin questions. Walking <laughs> through the streets of New York City is an interesting place at all times when you're twins, just people I feel inclined to just ask random questions and just Mm -hmm. shout them across the street. So we have, you name it, we have gotten the question for sure, but we are incredibly close. We do absolutely everything together. It's funny because in our full-time jobs at uh, Media Planet, I'm actually Joelle's boss and I've been since January. So it's, it's been an interesting dynamic. We're very good at being co-workers and employer-employee during the day and then come home and be sisters at home. There's a few times where I maybe ask her to do things at work in a way that I probably wouldn't ask anybody else to do things. You know, you talk to your siblings a little bit differently than you would talk to the average person just on the street, definitely different than you would talk to your co-workers. For sure. So So that happens every so often, but for the most part, we keep those lines pretty clear we're close. Uh, so we work together all day long and then all the extra things that we do outside of work completely booked, you know, she helps me with, and then the cookies and community service. And we freelance right for a blog, um, all of those kind of things. We wrote the books together. So we do all of that. We're very, very close and we really don't spend much time apart from each other. The longest time that we've been apart is five days. I went on a trip for work wow. to Costa Rica and five days is still the longest amount of time that we've 
been apart from each other. Earlier this year, I went to the south of France and I was there for four days, um, but still not five. <laughs> so I kind of want to get into that uh, a little bit into your upbringing. Yeah. Um, like, where are you from? Um, how did you get started in the business world? Was it something that was still to you to like from your parents or like how did you become um, this business woman who wants to do so many different streams? Yeah, so I am from Hazlitt, New Jersey. I'm a proud born and raised Hazlitt or Jersey girl, I should say. I live in Hoboken now, so still staying with the New Jersey. I went to Baltimore for college. I was there for four years, but you know, college is college, right? Are you really living somewhere when you're mm -hmm. in college? So I am born and bred New Jersey. My parents are the most incredible people in the entire world. Very, very hardworking, both of them. My mom uh, has been working for our church for some 30. She's been there for about 25 years. And my dad is a uh, personal trainer, football coach. He does a lot of outside things. He's wow. a uh, was a bodybuilder when I was younger. So that is really you know, just seeing all of that, a personal trainer, my entire childhood, I mean, both of my parents worked, but a large majority of my childhood was funded by a small business owner. So I've always seen it as a possibility to be able to make your own schedule, do your own thing. My dad was really the one every day after school that picked us up and we would go to the gym with him mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So knowing that it's possible to have that to have a business, achieve your dreams. My dad won the worlds um, as a bodybuilder. My mom does a lot of things outside of her job as well. So knowing that it's possible to have your full-time job, be married, have a family, own a home, have a car, have multiple dogs, all of those things. Uh, I saw that growing up from both of my parents. So it's, you know, it, to me, it, it just makes sense that all of these things can work together. It seemed like it was very structured. Um... Like your day, like from this morning to the to the end of your day, everything seems really planned out for you. Or are you kind of more on the cusp? You know, on paper, and I think probably someone starting out listening to this interview, it seems like I'm very type A, right? Like I'm very all together. And that is so far from the case. <laughs> I have clothes on my bed right now, you know, like just like I, I, I'm not as organized as I think people think that I probably am at work. Mm -hmm. It's funny, almost a year ago, I had was um, the head of our production team at work. And then I you know, was promoted to this role now. And when they promoted me to head of production, I was like, I just want to be very clear that I am not organized. Right. So I was like, I accept this promotion as long as you accept that I am not an overly organized person. And, you know, of course it worked out and obviously I'm still there mm -hmm. and, and everything's going well, but I, my sister and I are, are a little bit more go with the flow. And in terms of my upbringing with that, my parents are 10 times cooler than I am. And my friends even say that too. There's, <laughs> there's so much more chill and just like fun, more fun than my sister and I are probably. Uh, so that structure, but they didn't play games, right? So there was, we knew the boundaries of come home before you get a snack or anything. You could, you know, you could get a snack eventually, but you do your homework and kind of do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. And that is definitely the structure that I still live by um, and very used to being busy all of the time. And that's really where the name Completely Booked comes from because truly Completely Booked. I feel that. I definitely feel that. So let's kind of stay on the upbringing a little bit. So, yeah. you know, when you were younger and, and, you know, you kind of saw your dad doing like, you know, personal training business and things like that. Did you have an inkling back then of like, I want to have this type of business or like, do you even have like a small business as a kid, like lemonade stand or like <laughs> selling candy at school, anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I don't know. I mean, just like any kid, right? You see your parents go to work and or whoever is, is your guardian go and do something during the day for kids who see their parents work extremely hard. I think a lot of times then you end up becoming a really hard worker as well. I don't know that I had an over awareness of it being a small business. I just, that's what my dad did. And he spent the day at the gym and I thought it was cool, right? And I and then I would go to church. My mom works for our church and has been there for a while. And so it was kind of like, I always just saw my parents' jobs as things that we would do anyway, right? My dad would work out anyway. He is at the gym all the time and that's just what he likes to do. And my we go to church and my mom works at the church and we like going and she does that. So I've always kind of had in my mind that you're supposed to love what it is that you do during the day. Neither of my parents 
disliked their jobs. I really cannot remember times where they complained about going to work. Um, so that that definitely was a great asset to see growing up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that 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 definitely pulls everything together. And I'm, I lost my train of thought, so I'm sorry. Can you ask the question again? <laughs> no, it's no problem. I was just wondering, like, maybe if you had something back in the day where you had like a oh, lemonade yes. business. Yeah. Yes. So we didn't necessarily, I mean, we did lemonade stands, right? I think most kids do lemonade stands where we would make like the friendship bracelets and sell them for like a dollar oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> on, on the street or something. But we did a little bit more um, community service. So we would have, we did a carnival, like a homemade carnival two of my really good friends that we grew up with still have the nonprofit together the four of us that we started when we were really young for little souls so shout out to mariah and jonathan austin they are brother and sister and it's them and my sister and i that have the nonprofit together are they twins too they're not twins okay. <laughs> they're they're a little bit i think they're like 18 months apart okay, um okay. but close enough in age you know we all grew up and hung out together that kind of thing so and what's the parents, name of it Four Little Souls Incorporated is the name of our nonprofit. Nice. Yeah, when we first started, it was very much homemade carnival games. My parents let us completely take over their house. It was supposed to be outside. It rained. It was an August day. We were sad we couldn't have it. My mom was just like, bring everything inside. And we had a full-blown homemade carnival, cotton candy stand, snow cone machine, all that kind of stuff in my parents' home. Wow. Uh, so it was more of like those things more than like business, but it was very, uh, my parents were very good at teaching us like financial skills young, right? So if you got a dollar, then you would put 10 cents of it away to save 10% of it went back to church. And then you'd, you know, be able to live off 80% of it, that kind of thing. So, uh, it, that was very much instilled in us when we, since we were, were little. That's a beautiful thing. Now, I, I kind of want to ask you, since you mentioned, uh, you know, church and religion a couple of times. So mm -hmm. I kind of want to, you know, see what, what's your journey been just because, you know, I'm somebody that's grown up in a church, you know, going going every Sunday, right. like, Bible study, choir, like all those kinds of things. So I kind of want to see what your journey um, has been with, you know, with your religion. And is it something that you still hold close you know, to, the, to this day? Yeah. So. I mean, I, I think now with, with social media and stuff, there's been so much just more uh, encouragement of chatting about religion in an open way and so much more accepting of being very religious, very faithful and knowing, growing up in church, having those those values and morals, but also knowing that there is a real world out there, right? And knowing that there are very real things and being okay to do both. And I think my, my parents, my mom mainly, was very open about that, right? This is, we go to church and this is what we do, but also like we drink and we cuss a little bit, right? Like, like those, <laughs> yeah. those kinds of things mm -hmm. um, and all of the other things that come with that. So I, I, I am very appreciative of that upbringing and oh, very appreciative of my church. I did a post not too long ago about um, my church is in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. That's that's my home church where I went to, Cathedral Inter, still go to, Cathedral International. And that was where I really saw Black Excellence. Right. So I grew up in very white neighborhoods, very white schools. All of my friends were white. Um, my sister and I, when we went to school, were two of maybe four kids of color. Right. I'm not just talking about black kids. Like I'm talking wow. Asian, Indian, Hispanic, <laughs> yeah. all of that together. There was maybe like five of us that I graduated eighth grade with. But at church and some of the other things that I was a part of outside of church, outside of school, rather, were was where I really saw Black, you know, black men on the pulpit, black marriage, black love, black women being able to take over things and be leaders um, that that was normalized for me because I definitely wasn't getting that at school. So I am very appreciative. And that's kind of where I more saw church. Uh, I am very, very, uh, you know, deep within my faith. And that is definitely something that is still close to me. But, you know, you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm not, you know, holier than thou or anything like that. But, yeah. um, but it's, you know, it definitely is the core of who I am, but it, it is, you know, if you listen to church girl by Beyonce, that's a little bit more of my realm. And like I mentioned, it's, it's, it's more normalized now. And I think that that opening that conversation to be, especially for women, uh, to be able to do both. And you don't have to be this little quiet church mouse to show that you are saved. Um, but you can still be, you know, could still do what it is that you want to do and, and live and live both ways really you don't have to pick one what was your first business that you had got into 
Like, where did it all start for you? Yeah, business-wise, that's a good question. Um, I guess I would probably say, in terms of like timeline, our book was really the first thing that came out that we like monetized, right? So that I started in college, a professor of, of ours and my sister and I encouraged us to write a book. I took an easy class. I took a class my senior year of college, just like most people do. You just want the A, you mm -hmm. want to graduate, and you're just like, let's move on. I had done video editing all four years of college, and I was like, let me just take this beginner video editing class. I'll get my A and I'll be done, right? And my college professor was like, I see what you're doing. I'll give you your A, but I want you to write a, a book. I want you to write a children's book. And I was just like, whatever, man. Like, I am here to sit in the back of this class, chat with my friends, graduate, <laughs> and be done with it. Like, why are you tasking me with something else? And he really stayed honest about it. My sister and I, we both took the class together and, and ended up, you know, full circle becoming an actual book that you can buy in Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that stuff. So that was the first thing that we really monetized. Then we did, we started the cookies, um, but again, both were hobbies, right? So it wasn't, I never really had the mindset in the beginning that these were going to turn into businesses that we would then end up having an LLC and going, you know, having a bank account and having insurance and all those kind of things like that was Absolutely. never really the plan. And that's why I think, again, going back to your original question of motivation and just excitement to do these things, it, it, it's a it's a business and we can monetize our hobbies and that's great. It's nice to have an extra bank account with some money sitting in it. And that is definitely what the end goal is now. But I think because it didn't start out like that, to me, sometimes I'm even like, oh yeah, people will pay me to, like I should be asking for money for this, right? Like, <laughs> because it's something that sometimes you just you just want to be doing anyway. Um, so that's really the book I would say kind of kicked everything off and then things just kind of trickled from there. You definitely have to do something you love. Um, mm -hmm. So going more into that process, um, you and your sister with the book and you're writing that in school, you both had the same class in the course or was it you who said, hey, oh, no. let's do this? With the price of textbooks, we took all our classes together. Are you kidding? Mm. So we could, so we could split the price of these books. Oh yeah. So it was it was both of us together uh, that was in that was in the class, and then yeah, we just you know like I said, we do everything together. So it was it was both of us, and we just started from there. And what's the idea of the book? So the book is two little girls. It's called Twin Tales. Uh, Sasha and Sophie go to school. It's the first book, and it's two little girls that are going to probably first grade, second grade in a new school. And they've done everything together their entire lives up until that moment. And they find out the day before school that they are not going to be in the same class. And so they're upset and they're nervous to go to school and what's going to happen. And so they come up with a plan of how they can see each other during the school day. And then, you know, of course, they're excited. They go home and tell their parents. And the book is illustrated by one of our friends. So that was a really cool process to work on with somebody as well. Um, and just kind of not knowing what was going to happen with the book and just kind of saying, hey, we have this crazy idea. We also don't have any money to pay you just yet. Let's create an LLC and just see what happens from this. Um, so that's really how we started the first book. And then the second book came out in 2020, the beginning of 2021, we wrote it in 2020. And it is introducing children to just the conversation of, of diversity um, and celebrating different colors, backgrounds, religion, sexual orientation, and just starting that conversation with kids young. Just like a lot of people have been saying, if you're young enough to experience racism, you're definitely young enough to talk about it. Yes. And I can definitely remember moments as young as five, six years old, being very aware of being black and different. So I think that that conversation is just needed to start. And it's a very gentle way to chat about your, with your child or with your student, whoever it is that you're chatting with. Um, it's a good introductory thing to talk about, not just race, but sexual orientation, gender, uh, socioeconomic status, really anything that makes us unique from other people um, is that that's really what the Sasha and Sophie Celebrate Color is about. Very interesting. Um, so let me kind of ask you a question about that. So or take it back a little bit. So when your professor, you know, was seeing you in class, you know, doing these things that, you know, kind of sparked their mind, mm -hmm. they kind of and, and they pushed you in the direction of, you know, writing your own book. Was it to did they see something in you to say like, oh, she has something to say. So let's kind of put it, make it in a political way or make it in a way that yeah. they're, you know, you're telling people things. Right. So he, our, our professor, he's just like, 
like if, if he was on this podcast, right, he would say to you guys, you need to pitch this to Power 105.1. You guys are the next breakfast club. Like, right, like he's just gonna like, Oprah's gonna buy this. Like he's just like the sun, the moon, and the stars. Anybody can do anything, which is great. You definitely want that energy around you. So he was like, okay, great. Now write the book. And I was like, okay, here you go. Like I have it on a Word document. I'll email it to you. Stop bothering me, right? He's like, yeah. okay, now find an illustrator. I'm like, dude, come on, right? So like, and it was just like a continuation of being pushed and being pushed. And if I had called him right now, he'd be like, did you pitch it to PBS yet? You know, when's Nickelodeon buying it? And I'm like, nobody's buying this book, like calm down, <laughs> right? So that's just how he is. Mm -hmm. um, and he sees that in everybody. Um, so it's nice, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, maybe I was special, but he's like that with a lot of people that he comes across, which again is a great thing to be around if you're going to listen to it. Um, because there's a lot of people that I know that he's told really great plans to that just, you know, thought of it just like any of us would and just, you know, thought about it in passing and didn't really execute on it. And I know that he has had really great ideas to motivate other people. And it's just a matter of, do you want to go through with it or not? And we did and stuck it out. And there's been a really, a lot of really cool things that have come from it and just things that I never knew of before of the publishing process and you know, how to get your book in different stores and how to market it and what kind of vendor fairs work and how much you price your book at. Um, so there are so many things that we learned from this with that seed that was planted in college. That's great. Uh, so, so I guess kind of let's talk about, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about, you know, representation. And, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, your second book that you and your sister did um, is talking about diversity and things like that. Why do you feel like it's so important to, you know, cover these topics and things because a lot of people don't really grasp it a lot and a yeah. lot of people don't really you know even express a lot of these things but why did you all feel it was so important to you know kind of cover those topics yeah i mean representation i think is so it's so important seeing somebody do something of course there's a lot of people that are the first right we have kamala harris that's the first woman vice president and then let alone being a, a South Asian and black woman is just, mm -hmm. you know, but you have to see people do things. A lot of times you have to see people do things before you to know that it's possible. The fact that we do have women Supreme Court justices and that we do have uh, even first ladies that are that become like politicians, um, you know, she probably knew, okay, it's possible for me to do this because I see them in those spaces. Just like for me growing up, like I said, growing up in a black church, seeing women preach, seeing uh, heads of ministries take over things, seeing my mom run her own side hustles of doing events, seeing my dad be a small business owner. Of course it's possible. Like, why can't I do it? They've done it before me. And there's just so many people who don't have those positive reinforcements in their life or that we don't see in the media that I just think it's so important to talk about that and really celebrate it when we do see it. I can remember being, I think I was maybe I had to have been five or six and we went to the whiz. I don't know if you remember, but the whiz. Oh is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. So we, we, we went to the whiz and, you know, buying CDs a random, probably Friday or Saturday night mm -hmm. and JLo's on the sixth album had just come out. And I was like, oh, I love JLo. Well, it's Jennifer Lopez then. I don't even think we were calling her JLo <laughs> yet, but <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. And I remember getting like wanting the CD. And that was, I guess my sister and I could probably each pick out one. And that was the one I picked out. And my dad said, do you know, she's Puerto Rican like you. And I was like, I'm the same thing as her. Right. Like I, I, she had, like, she has something in common with me. And of course, and you know, in that moment, I don't know that I thought I was going to be JLo, but it just meant something to me that this woman who was doing something incredible that I thought, right. That I just kind of idolized at that time for sure was, had something that was the same as me. And so just thinking about stories like that when I was younger, and again, going back to just seeing different things that were possible of people who looked like me because I wasn't getting that in school, knowing that greatness was upon them. I didn't, in school, I didn't see any other white authors. I didn't see any other white people that took over leadership roles. I saw all of that from black people, from church and from my parents and from my family. So that to me, I was like, of course, right? So now as an adult, I do think it's a responsibility of me to either be that for somebody else or to draw that to somebody else, right? So like, I, I can't be, right? Like I'm never going to identify as 
an Asian woman. I'm never going to identify as a black male. I'm never going to identify as as much as an ally as I am. I am. My story is not that I'm gay or trans or or bisexual. Like that's just not my story. But I can show other people those stories and read about them and read about those different walks of life and un- try to understand them as best as possible and know how to support them as best as possible. Um, so I think that that's just so important, especially now with just young children. Just the just the can I curse on here? Just the shit yeah, you see on social on social media. Um, just you know, I just want to make sure that people know that anything is possible, no matter who they are and where they come from. I love that. That's a great explanation. Uh, let me take it back though. The Wiz. That's is that a, a CD store? It was like Best Buy. It was basically oh, okay. like now where the Wiz was when I was little is now a Best Buy. But like they had like it was almost like a. It was like a Radio Shack Best Buy, but like a, a FYE. Do you know FYE, what that like? The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a like a Sam Goody, like all like it was like that, but big. Like the store was just like really, really like almost like as big as like a Barnes and Noble. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> See, that's funny because I was I thought you were talking about like Michael Jackson. Oh, like, like the movie. Well, that yeah, way. I, I was I like, oh, like, but no, yeah. the store, the store. Oh, was so y'all the wasn't talking yeah. about okay. that. No, there's, there's a, there was a store called The Wiz, and it was a chain, I believe. It might have been owned by like a radio. It was like a Radio Shack, but like they had, at least in my mind, what I remember was just like rows of CDs. It was probably like four rows, but you know, it was yeah. just, it seemed big to me when I was younger, and they sold, like that's where we bought CDs when we were younger, and, and, like, and cassette tapes and stuff. I said, I was just going to say, uh, I knew The Wiz was coming out. Oh, really? Yeah, it's gonna be uh by who's the guy? Kimber Walker, not Kimber Walker. Oh uh uh Who's playing each role? Yeah, who yeah, who's who? They they haven't got that far, but they decided who's directing it and producing okay. it. Oh. I'm not too sure about that one. I heard about it, but I, I don't I'm not too sure. I know the color purple is coming out too. Yeah. Um uh, that new Another one, one? come out. Um <laughs> I forgot who's gonna be in that too. But so let's kinda talk about a little bit about um uh, like so, you're, so completely book. Let's talk about the book club. Um, so we actually had an author on the podcast before. She has a book called um, "Fried Chicken Pedicures," and you know, one of the conversations that we heard, one of the uh, conversations that we were having with her is like about genres and like, oh, like, I thought your book was really funny. It was kind of like a funny autobiographical mm. um, book and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I guess when it comes to com- completely booked, is there a process that you guys? you know, go through when it's like, okay, we want to talk about this one next. Do you go for specific genres or um, how does that, the book choosing process go? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just me, myself and I choosing the books, right? So really, really whatever, whatever sticks out to me um, Mm -hmm. is how I go about finding it. And then with the book club, the author's always on. So I never really thought that that, you know, when I started book club, I didn't think that that was going to be a possibility. And someone who was in a previous book club that I was in, her husband's roommate, was the author of The Prophets, Robert jo- Robert Jones Jr. And he's a Nobel, I mean, um, New York Times bestseller and mm-hmm. whatever. So she was like, I think he could just like show up to your book club. It's virtual. I was like, okay. And I never, you know, whatever. He came on and that was great. And then he like blew up. So he's, you know, he's a really big author and, and writes a lot for the New York Times and all that. But once I did that, I was like, I wonder if I just email some of these people. Will they... Well, they say yes, yeah. and all of the, a lot of them do. So uh, that's really kind of whoever says yes to my book club is really people are like, what's the process? Right? People ask me, I'm like, honestly, whoever just says yes to my email is how <laughs> is how I pick the books. Uh-huh. But no, I definitely do try to again make sure that we're getting in so many different types of people because for myself, yes, I do read mostly black authors, most mostly black women authors, but. Again, there's a quote, and I don't know who is the uh, is this the originator of this quote, but it's if all you see is what you see, you will never see all there is to be seen. Mm. So if all I'm doing is reading about black women, cool, right? Like I am a black, I am living the black woman experience. I've got that. I'm going to get that every day, and no matter how hard I try, I'm still going to be a black woman. So I'm getting that experience. I all of the microaggressions I have read about, I have gone through, you know, overt and covert racism. I have lived it. So reading about those stories, while it's entertaining to me and to be able to sympathize with those people in a very easy way, it is a little bit more challenging sometimes to read about groups of people that you don't know about. So that is something that I really pride myself in challenging my book club with. So making sure that we're getting male authors of color, that we're getting um, the book that we're reading right now 
It's about an Iranian girl who's working in marketing. So great. What is what is a Middle Eastern experience, right? That is very different. We chat about 9-11. You see posts and stuff. We talk about being American. We often, we never talk about uh, what the Middle Eastern experience here in the United States is, right? Like how many images of Middle Easterns did you see growing up outside of Osama bin Laden, right? Like literally lie. that was the only was image it. we saw of Middle Easterns. Mm -hmm. That is wild. Um, so being able to, to share those stories, people who are disabled. Uh, there's a book I read not too long ago about three black albino, uh, albino black women. Um, what is their experience like? You know, are they considered black? Or are they not? What is What does that look like? Uh, socioeconomic status, right? People who are super rich and just don't even understand what common folk go through or people who have absolutely nothing. If you read Viola Davis's book, we've all read books about poor people, but Viola Davis had actually nothing, like actually nothing. Yeah. So reading those experiences and just learning a little bit more about them just opens your eyes, right? You're seeing more than what's in front of you and the people that you interact with daily. A book isn't the, isn't the cure-all. And I definitely know that, uh, that just sitting back and reading a book is not the same as having a conversation with somebody or even having to stand up and be anti-racist against certain groups or anti-sexist or anti-homophobic or whatever it is. Uh, that's a very different experience. And you're not going to get that just from reading a book, but it's a start. And it's a start to have conversations with different groups of people. Absolutely. Um, what was I going to ask you next? What was I going to... Oh, you know what I wanted to bring up? Something that um, Brad kind of talked to me about when we were, you know, before we were recording. Mm -hmm. We kind of talked about Beyonce Renaissance. Uh, and yes. um, so I guess, you know, one question is, like, how do you feel about the album? And I think he had mentioned that you picked a, a novel or a book for every track on the album. And kind of what sparked that idea? I, first of all, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody says they're Beyonce's biggest fans. They're not Beyonce's biggest fan. I am Beyonce's biggest <laughs> fan. Uh, so there is, I, there is no, absolutely no wrong in this world that Beyonce could do. We could wake up tomorrow and she could have blown us to smithereens. And I would be like, it's great. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Right. So <laughs> there's no wrong that she can do. I've seen her six times in concert and okay, okay. I have every, you know, all of the swag and merchandise I have spent my fair share of money on Beyonce. Uh, but yes, I did a, a, a song for a book rather for every song on Renaissance. And I actually read a book for my, my office has a book club and it was called like a love story by, I don't know who it's by and the book is here somewhere, but forgive me. Sorry for the author. I'll give you guys the name and we can shout them out. But I read the book like a love story and it was it's basically about this young teenage boy who is in the eighties realizing that he's gay and he's afraid he's he's was middle eastern as well um in that in that book and came to the US in middle school high school which we know just how awful middle school high school could be for anybody let alone a nerdy hairy middle eastern <laughs> guy that's just not cool and also is now gay right and he doesn't want anybody to know that that's how he feels and then the only images that he's seeing of gay men is them dying of aids so that it's it's his story kind of going through that and realizing that and he's obsessed with madonna so he's just like idolizes her and he ends up going to see her in concert and all this stuff and when break my soul came out and then when, when beyonce did the remix of break my soul with vogue i was like oh my god those characters would have like one if they could have seen right well what happens with HIV, obviously, there's so many things that we can still do with with that. But prep is out. You can live a pretty normal life now if you have HIV. It's not. I don't want to say it's not a big deal, but it is. You know, it, it's a lot better than it was in the 80s. Absolutely. So I yeah. just started thinking in my mind. I'm like, oh my god, if they could have just, if that, if so many of of those of gay men in the 80s could see where we are now and and know someone like Beyonce and then also see that like. Vogue or Break My Soul or together and people are dancing to it and there's gay clubs to go to and people are just, there's so many more allies. Of course, there's so much more, there's so much hardship still, but it's just, it's a lot better than it was and we're we're moving forward. We have, Times have changed. openly gay politicians, right? Mm -hmm. the church, a lot of churches are accepting, right? Like I could say on a podcast that I am deeply religious and also a huge ally, right? Like that right. is un, yeah. was unheard of in the 80s. So I was like, oh my God, these characters would have just loved this song. Um, and that really sparked my idea of doing that. I tried to get it all into one reel and I just could not. So I had to do two parts. Um, but then as I start thinking of it more and more, there's just, again, so many things can just be connected, interconnected together. And let me throw you an uh, alley-oop really quick. I think it's Abdi Nazimian yes, wrote yes, that, yes, like, yes. like a Love Story by like Abdi story. Nazimian. So yes, check you. that one out, guys. Um, 
So can I get you on the podcast to choose a favorite Beyonce album? Is that something that you can do? Oh, yeah. Favorite Beyonce album? Um, I think four. I was, I mean, it's just, you know, I think a lot of times music goes along with where you are, like, in your life. That was the first time I saw her in concert was when four came out. So the very first time I saw her uh, was actually a Good Morning America when she was still doing those things. Uh, she just did, like, a free summer concert there. Um, and that was the first time that I saw her. And then I saw her at... Roseland Ballroom later that year when she was pregnant. And I wish I would have tweeted because I had a picture of her that I took at the concert as my background on my computer. And I remember like doing something for school. I think I had to like buy textbooks or something as I was about to go back to school. And I was looking like deeply at the picture and I was like, I just feel like she's pregnant. And I was just, I was like, I should tweet that Beyonce's pregnant. I was like, so many people are going to come after me being like, she just gained a little weight. So what? Blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, ah, and I just missed it. I was like, what do I even know? How many pregnant people have I even seen in my life that I would know what someone looks like when they're pregnant? Later that day was the VMAs when she announced that she was pregnant. I was like, why did I not say something <laughs> on Twitter? Because I was like, oh, wow. man. But I, uh, yeah, I think four is probably my favorite. Crazy Love is my absolute favorite song of hers, but I four is probably my album. Okay, good choices, good choices. Yeah, you could have had the scoop on that one. You I know. Been, I was oh like, oh, God. I just feel like, and then I just didn't, I didn't say anything. <laughs> Got you. Um, so let's kind of um, talk about your business with your sister, um, your baking business, which is called Double Dope. Yeah. So it sounds like this was another hobby, like you said, that kind of just turned into like something bigger. Can you kind of speak on how that started? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we would bake stuff growing up, but like, it was always slice and bake or, you know, just like a Pillsbury cake, a cake box cake mix and that kind of stuff. So it wasn't anything. I don't have stories of, you know, being at my grandmother's skirt or like dress and just wanting the recipes or anything like that. <laughs> um, and people like wait for those stories. And I'm like, nope, that's just not mine. Yeah. Um, but I, when we graduated college, actually my parents, you know, we had a graduation party and my mom had found this lady that made cookies and she ordered them as a favor. My sister and I actually had a radio show all through college. Okay. And then we did it a little bit outside of college, like after college too. And so we had the name of our show was Double Dose. So like mm. a double, double dose of entertainment was our radio show. And on the cookies, it said Double Dose. Great. So they were good, but they were pricey. Um, so my sister was like, I just feel like mommy's paying a lot of money for like a cookie. And then she, we had them and we we're like, yeah, okay, they're good. And we were like, I feel like, you know, we could try and do this. And again, my mom is very crafty. Um, she's excellent, right? Our Halloween costumes were always on point. Mm -hmm. My school projects always went to school looking the best. Um, so that was, you know, we knew that we kind of had that skill set within us. And we tested it out for Christmas that year, just like uh, if they're garbage or my family just going to eat them and whatever we can be done with it but if they're good then we can start maybe doing this and we would we started there but it was very sporadic like very close family friends would order and we wouldn't charge them at first and then I think we'd started at like two dollars a cookie or just something to like make our money back from the supplies it wasn't anything crazy and then as we started doing it a little bit more we would post about it and then we would get like one order and then we posted about it again and maybe get like two orders. But they were, again, very, very spread apart. When we we started doing it a little bit more, you know, as it just kind of like grew and grew and grew. And then in 2020, when everything happened with uh, George Floyd, there was a list that actually went out of businesses in Hoboken and Jersey City, Hudson County, where I'm from, of Black-owned businesses in general. Mm -hmm. And they broke them down by like, you know, boutiques and store, like clothing stores and handy shops and just, you know, they broke it down in different uh, genres, basically. And with food businesses, there was a bunch in Jersey City. You know, Jersey City is the most diverse city in the country. So there's a lot there. And there's only one food business in Hoboken that was black owned. And it was us. Wow. Now, <laughs> cooking, baking in New Jersey, it was up until October of last year, technically like illegal, but you could donate cookies. You just couldn't make a profit off of them. So we really? were very much like undercharging. You really couldn't like do it. So when they posted about us, I was like, Oh, I don't know. You know, like we're not really supposed to be doing this, but people, you know, people just didn't, it was pandemic. For Wait, when you say illegal, you mean like a law for real? Oh, but yeah, New Jersey was the last uh, state to pass what they call cottage laws. So it's basically being able to 
cook and sell food out of your home. It's not a health concern. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. Right. It wasn't a health concern because you could donate as much as you wanted. And you, of course, could just make your money back, right? Like if I spent $10 at the store on supplies and I asked somebody for $10, fine. Um, but you couldn't make a profit over $50,000, right? So that was okay. that was the law. Why? I don't, I'm like, you know, there's, and there was a lot of people that lobbied for it. And thankfully uh-huh. now it's been passed and we have our health inspections and we've been through, I said, we studied way harder for that test than I studied for anything that I've ever taken before in my life. You know, we have proper labeling and all that kind of stuff now, but for a while it was just kind of like word of mouth and all that. So they post us a lot of people wanted to order just to support a black business at that time. And that's really how people found out about us. Um, so that was, that really took us to another level than we were previously and orders started coming in pretty regularly. And then at the start of last year of 2021, I got a random Instagram sponsored post for a baking competition show. And I was just like, ah, send it to my sister. I think I was like laying in my bed and I DM'd her in her room, <laughs> laying in her bed. And I was just like, should we apply for this? And she was like, yeah, I got that, like whatever. And then a friend of mine actually has a clothing line and she had sent us clothes to like take pictures in. So my hair was done and makeup was done. And I was just like, let's just put a video together and apply to this baking thing after we took these pictures for her clothing line. Like whatever, we'll just send in a video, fine. And then a couple of weeks, that was in February of 2021. And a couple of weeks later, by like March, I was actually the day I got my second COVID vaccine. They called me uh, and was like, you know, we're interested in you and your sister. And we started the audition process. And in August of last year, actually last year, this time, this was our last day of quarantine filming the baking show, Baking It, uh, in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So we flew, yeah. So it was a long inter- audition process. We were auditioning from April through August, baking non-stop like <laughs> the audition process was rigorous it was mm-hmm. tough um they had a couple of people that were on the show that they reached out to to uh like they, they had food instagrams or something like that and they had asked them they wanted to audition my sister and i and another one of the other married couples that are on the show were the only we call ourselves walk-ons uh to the show because we just applied cold through instagram and got picked mm-hmm. so we filmed baking it maya rudolph and andy sandberg were the host it was produced by amy poehler pip wells who is like the top one of the top um NBC producers was, uh, was the producer of it. And we filmed last year in LA and it came out in December of last year, the, the actual show. And that really, of course, you know, catapulted us plus having our license and being able to like openly chat about orders now <laughs> um, is, you know, has definitely helped. And we do an average of 300 to 500 cookies a week and, okay. uh, and cakes. I tell everyone, if you want to learn to get good at something, Go on a national television show, get voted off because it's bad, and then you'll learn how to then you'll learn how to do it. So we yeah. got voted off for our three tier cake, and now I know mm. how to make a three tier cake. So you know that's definitely a, a, a good motivation to learn how to do something. Absolutely, I saw y'all in that trailer. I was like, no, nah, this is this can't be them. Like this is crazy. I still say it can't be. <laughs> it was it's just wild. It's still just like crazy to think about and. You know, it was, it, it was it, the people were are incredible. I feel like people are like, oh, like whatever. You only knew them for a little while, but we talk, all of us, almost every day. Wow, uh, okay. We hang out so much. We're going to a big cookout and not this weekend, next weekend, okay. and Long Island that we're all doing together. We're always together, or at least you know somebody's with somebody somewhere. So it's mm-hmm. really, really cool. It's like a real world uh, road rules, like community. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Wow, that is beautiful. Um, so let's see, let's let's see. How can we um where should I take it from here? Rod, you got any questions right now? Man, she's covered all of it for real. <laughs> yes, she has. She has. Um I'm trying to see what else did we write down for you, Jordan. Um we talked about twin tales, we talked about completely booked and your books. Mm-hmm. Um we talked about Beyonce Renaissance. I think we kind of covered everything. Um, wow, like that's everything was just like I said, like when I saw y'all on that trailer, I was like, this is just something that's like so it, it so I guess, like, what would you say if you, you know, kind of were talking to your 21-year-old self, your 18-year-old self, you know, like, and, and kind of seeing where you are now? Like, is this something that you even saw for yourself? 
or like how how is life progressing for you in like the ways that you <laughs> thought it was going to progress you know like i said i'm really not type a i'm not a planner right like i am very much a as 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 much as as things are scheduled and organized i am just like a let's just see what happens sign up for it and let's just see so many things that i do people are like oh the hardest part is taking the first step i'm like for me, it's not right. Like I will jump into a fire. I will jump into the deep end of the pool and then be like, oh, actually I should probably figure this out <laughs> while I'm like shredding water. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that's a little bit, I, I think to like my 18 or 21 year old self, what was I doing at 18? I was going into college. Well, I guess I was still in high school and going into college. I, I think like one of the things when I look back at college, especially now being a managing director and I've hired so many people at a, at a marketing company and this is the high, I mean, unless I want to move to a different country, this is the highest I, job I can have at my job running mm -hmm. the, the biggest office in a international marketing company. Um, so I think looking back, n just knowing that like, I don't really care about people's GPAs, right? Like I don't, <laughs> you don't have you could have gotten D's through college for all I care. As long as you are just willing to learn a hard worker and street smart, that's really what people care about. So I think like I might've just been like, eh, go out a little more, right? Like mm. you, you don't need to get an A on that test. It's really okay. Um, now for my scholarships, I have to keep that, right? Oh, so, for sure. so keep the bare minimum, but don't <laughs> like, you don't have to do like so many things with that. Um, you know, maybe just put a little bit more time into other things, but I, I think to my 18 year old, 18 or 21 year old self. Yeah. That would probably be the only thing that I would say is just like, it's going to be fine. And that's what I tell my cousins now. And my cousins are everyone's younger than my sister and I, my parents were the first to get married and have kids on both sides. Um, I have a lot of aunts and uncles. My dad is the oldest of seven. My mom's the fourth child out of five. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of us. Um, so I tell my cousins, I'm like, it's going to be fine. Right? Like it's really the things that you're worried about right now, if it's not going to stress you out five years from now, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's really, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And I tell even the people that report to me at work, we work in mostly sales. And so that's stressful, right? Uh, pushing sales mm -hmm. and not hitting your quotas and stuff. And I'm like, look, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, right? Like if we don't close these deals, gonna be okay like there's yeah. there's there's things that are bigger than this in life and of course i take my job extremely seriously uh you know i i absolutely love what i do and i'm very prideful so i definitely take it very serious but also having that like balance of knowing there are bigger things that matter in life right in that moment you may think that that's the end of the world and then somebody has something else going on you're like yeah my problems are actually nothing uh, so just <laughs> knowing that there's always somebody going through something harder than you not to diminish your problems but just knowing that you can get through it and it's it's going to be okay <laughs> everything's going to work out you know something i want to ask you earlier i think this is going to be my last question for today um so you mentioned that you have like a full-time job and now you're yeah. not obligated to answer this if you don't want to but like so like what I know you said you're not a planner as well, but like, do you ever want to just let that go and just be like, let me, I have all these other things popping. Like, let me just oh, go over here and do that. Oh, absolutely. I, ch yeah. I check and see if I'm Instagram famous every morning before I get out of bed. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, the thing that's interesting is like, uh -huh. I, I truly love my job, right? I really do feel blessed with the company that I work for. I've been there for almost eight years. Um, and a lot, you know, I interview a lot of people now for our entry level role. And of course, just like anybody asks me a lot what is it that has kept me at my job for so long? And I'm like, oh, the cliche answer is the people. But it really is like the only, and even with baking it, when we did the show, they try to, they ask you questions, right? And they try to get you to cry is like the biggest thing, right? They ask you about your family and they ask you about COVID and the pandemic. <laughs> I did not like drop a tear at all. And then early on in the audition process, they did ask us about work, right? Like what we do for work and just what our coworkers would say about us. That is the only time that I got choked up because those, those are the people people that I've worked with for, you know, for most for the majority of the time, I said the first five to six years that I've been at my job, those are the people outside of my parents that know everything that I do and what, how yeah. hard I work, right? Those are the people that I'm like, okay, I can't go out with you after work because I got to go home and make cookies or whatever. And they're so supportive, so 
uh, motivating anything that I've ever sold, anything that I've ever done, any fundraiser I've ever done. They're the first people to buy tickets, the first people posting about it, the first people asking about it, asking if we have dinner, you know, just being like, hey, did you guys cook for yourselves? Did you take a break? Even during the pandemic, my friend uh, Gretchen was like, no, Mondays from eight to nine, we were watching Dance with the Stars, we're live texting each other. You girls are not doing anything else. You need a break. Like you need people like that, right? Oh, to yes, tell you. Absolutely just sit for a second. Um, so they're, they're very like my sister and I don't fight at all. Like we really don't argue. They're the only people that I can truly understand a sibling relationship with where you're like, you are getting on my absolute last nerve. But if you need every dollar in my bank account, I will give it to you. Right. right? Like, like, <laughs> the, like those are the type of people that I've worked with. And then also just like the management, there, just the confidence and belief that they have in you of things you never saw imaginable for yourself. And they're just so confident that you can do it. And I'm like, are you sure? Right. Like, so like that is, that is the type of, of environment that we have at the company that I work for, which is incredible. So yes. Right. A lot of me does want to have this be my full-time job and do completely booked and have sponsors and sell cookies full time. And I know we'll get there eventually, but I really, really do love uh, what I do during the day, every day. That's great. Cause you know, you gotta be on, be around them for 40 hours a week. So it's like, you better like them. Yeah, exactly. Cause if you don't, it's going to be a, it's going to be a sad day, it's sad tough, five yeah. days. For sure. <laughs> absolutely. And I hope that, you know, I, I create that environment. Now the person who was the managing director before me was absolutely incredible. So I hope that I'm creating that environment for people now. Um, but you know, having that support, and upper management definitely help makes it easier to provide that environment. For sure. Um, so let, like, let's kind of talk about what can we look forward to next from Jordan? Um, like I said, you have your hands in so many things, you know, right now, but is there anything coming up that you want to highlight this? Like, okay, you know, September, we got this popping, you know, we got the new cookies, <laughs> new flavors. We got the October cookies. We got the, you know, Halloween cookies, you know, like, yeah. what do you want to highlight? Get them. I'm not a planner. So I, your guess is good oh, as right. mine. Right. No, <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll do holiday markets and such. Um, you know, you can always follow, you follow at Jordan and Joel. It, you know, everything is kind of posted there, but completely booked book clubs every month, last Tuesday of the month. It's always virtual because we have uh, members that come on from across the country. We've had international members and authors come on as well. So it'll always be on Zoom. We do some meetups sometimes uh, when I get around to planning it. So that is what I would say is, is constant cookies. You can go to Jordan and Joel online or follow Double Dough on Instagram at double underscore dough and order, you know, DMS for, for cookies if, if that's what you want or a cake or anything else. So yeah, I would just follow along Jordan to online. We'll get you everything. Little souls. We are, we're in the process of planning an event. So we should have something for that soon, but we're always anybody, if you need anything, our main pillars are children, child hunger and education. And so we do really like to have our feet on the ground. And if somebody needs us last minute for resources or donation, we're always ready to jump at that opportunity also. Um, so I would just say follow and stay tuned because I, I don't know, right, um, right. but I don't have anything, you know, super specific to highlight just the, just the constants. Okay, sounds good. Well, we definitely appreciate you for coming through. This was a great conversation. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm just glad to, you know, get to know what Jordan got going on, all the great things. So we'll put everything in the description box for you, um, all your links and things like that. So once again, thank you so much. And this has been The Friends Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, people. And we're out. Thank you, guys. Yeah, peace and love. <laughs>